0: Welcome to The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky, a weekly podcast that breaks down politics, policy, and current affairs. I'm Michael Broadcorp.
1: And I'm Becky Scherr.
0: Today, we are continuing a couple of conversations from the past weeks. We're going to kick off our show with our guest of the week, Jacob Milner, about the ongoing Hamas-Israeli war. Jacob is the director of the American Jewish Committee. With Jacob, we're going to break down the general impact of these attacks and this war on the Jewish community. We're going to break down the blatant anti-Semitism we are seeing at rallies on the internet and more, And Jacob is going to help us break down the situation differentiating Hamas and Palestine and what we can do here in Minnesota to help. We're going to move on to a different topic with a local angle, the speaker's race. We will break down how we got here and what this could mean for Minnesota's own Tom Emmer. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. We are joined today by Jacob Milner, who is the director of the American Jewish Committee here in the United States. Jacob, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is, um, I can't imagine, as we were discussing before we hit record, I can't imagine what you're experiencing and what you're going through right now. And Becky and I just want to provide you an opportunity to talk about what's going on from your perspective and how we can educate our listeners um, about what's going on and be more supportive to your cause. So with that i want to i want to give you an opportunity to just take it from there
2: thank you i i really appreciate you having me on becky and michael and on uh discussing this important topic i think the most important thing to remember is that israel and the jewish people were victims of a mass terror attack in the past 2 weeks ago and i think you know we've heard people talk about this as Israel's 9/11 or Pearl Harbor but it's it's much bigger than that you know proportional to the population 1400 Israelis is the equivalent of 15 50,000 Americans you know it's one out of every 7500 people in the country it's a huge loss uh, and it's important to keep in mind that the Jewish community of the world not the united states not israel of the world is about 16 million people there are about as many hispanics in california as there are jews in the world so basically everybody you know every jew knows or is somehow tangentially related to this catastrophe either somebody you know or somebody you know who you know or you know, a relative or a friend. Um, you know, half the Jewish population in the world lives in Israel. The other half lives in the United States, with other communities sprinkled, you know, throughout the world. But of the sixteen million Jews in the world, about fifteen million live between Israel and the United States. So, um, I think it's important to kind of put that into perspective that the reach of this sort of an attack is 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 far-reaching, far beyond, really. I think what most people can really comprehend.
0: The details of the attacks are are beyond comprehension uh, for most people to understand, and the pain of the Jewish community is just unimaginable right now. How are you doing personally right now?
2: You know, uh, it, it's been it's been a hard few weeks. Um, it's been a very busy few weeks, as as I'm sure you can imagine, with um, all the outreach we've been doing, all the work we've been doing internally and externally. Um, I'm doing all right. Um, you know i don't i i know people who have been affected by this uh, i don't have any personal relations that have been affected by this luckily thankfully but i have friends that are serving that have been called up in the in the IDF who are our who are now serving um in the army um i have friends that know people who were killed at the music festival for example um so it's been hard it's been a hard few weeks it's it's really something that you know People certainly my age have never experienced, um, but this was the largest murder of Jews we've seen in the world since the Holocaust um, in a single day, and I think that that kind of puts it in perspective as well on the the magnitude of this of this attack of this tragedy.
0: That is a difficult, you know, Senator Coleman. When we interviewed him recently, made this the same statement. And I've heard it said before, but the shock of that statement, the effect of that statement. Is just profound. And it just, it has a, just an effect on you. What you just said, I, I just cannot imagine where we're at today. It's just beyond comprehension. And, and to understand it in the historical context that you just did, uh, as when we heard it um, with Senator Coleman, it's just a very powerful statement. It's a, it's an, an unimaginably tragic statement, but it's just so powerful to know and to comprehend or to try to comprehend and understand it because
2: what we're seeing is just beyond the words of horror thank you i appreciate that it's it really is like as you said beyond the word support it's beyond comprehension really to understand this isn't uh you know we've seen terrorist attacks in fact this week on friday is the five-year anniversary of the pittsburgh shooting which was on october 27th um 2018 and i think when that happened that was obviously a, a horrible tragedy um 11 folks were murdered in a synagogue the largest the the the, the biggest attack of american jews uh, on american soil and how bad and how that felt for us as a jewish community five years ago and this is magnitudes bigger but it only shows you know how real the threat is to the jewish community um you know it, it's hard for non-jews to really understand that the amount of money the jewish community spends on security for synagogues for jewish institutions for jccs for schools is 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 astronomical it's a huge proportion of the budget i don't know how it is when you go to church on sunday but when you go to a synagogue in the united states or anywhere in the world you have to go through metal detectors There are security guards uh, security guards at the door and i think that that really kind of hammers home the real threat that exists of anti-semitism which has been growing certainly around the world and in the united states over the past few decades um and this attack in israel two weeks ago really kind of shows the world the brutality of of folks that really want to kill jews uh, and wipe israel off the map you know you look at hamas which is a terrorist organization and i know this has been said before this isn't two countries fighting each other this is a a liberal democratic country israel fighting a a terrorist organization no different than al-qaeda no different than isis no different than boko haram or whoever whichever one you want to choose from um but hamas's charter um says that they, they not only want to wipe israel off the map but if you read hamas's charter you can pull it up online it talks about how they want to kill every jew it's not about Israel. It's about killing Jews uh, and, and and wiping the Jews off the earth. And I think that that's an important thing to understand as well. It's not it, – it, it, it puts kind of this con- – puts this conflict in a larger context here. And I think the world is starting to wake up a little bit to that.
0: Since the attacks of October 7th, there has been a rise, mm-hmm. a notable rise in anti-Semitism across the country and across the world. Uh, Just uh, yesterday in in Minneapolis, a flag of Hamas was openly flown and paraded down a street in downtown Minneapolis, a known terrorist group, Hamas. The flag was openly flown. It was horrifying and sickening to see that imagery and to see that video and to see and hear the reaction to that uh, of the flag of Hamas in in downtown Minneapolis. What can be done to help combat the the rise of anti-Semitism right now?
2: You know that really, Michael is is an age old question, yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say it's a serious question, and I, I don't take it lightly. Um, you are correct. We have seen um, by every metric, uh, anti-Semitism in the United States. Now I'm focusing on has increased by degrees over the past few years. Um, as I said, five years ago was the deadliest attack of Jews on American soil in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania during a Shabbat service um, on Saturday October 27th uh, 2018 but we have seen not just violent attacks um, which has also increased you know Jewish people getting attacked on the streets of uh, in in Brooklyn for example or New York or in Los Angeles Uh, kosher supermarkets or synagogues getting tagged with graffiti um, people getting you know punched on the, in the street uh punched in the street we've seen all of these incidents rise and the FBI reports that come out every year on hate crimes in America show us the same the same statistics that the Jewish community in the United States which is really 2% of the population accounts for over 50% of all religious hate crimes in the United States and it's i think 57, 55 57% i mean it's it's a significant chunk of that of overall hate crimes, and we also know, by the way, that the FBI reports are woefully um, underreported. So the actual numbers we assume are probably much higher than the ones we're actually seeing getting reported. Um, but how do we combat anti-Semitism? There's a, that. I think number one is education. We really need to have people understand what anti-Semitism is. And here at the American Jewish Committee, we really have been working hard. Um, Across all levels of government and all levels of society to create tools to um help people, whether it's corporations, whether it's the go- government officials, whether it's schools and universities, better understand anti-Semitism and how to counteract anti-Semitism. We kind of we we leverage our global structure. What makes the American Jewish Committee um Unique is that we are really a global organization, um, so we use our global structure to work across sectors of society, uh, to to help educate you know government officials, like I said, universities, um, others in society to to understand antisemitism and how to combat antisemitism. One thing that we've been doing is working with antisemitism envoys um, around the world. A number of countries have special envoys. The United States now has. An ambassador level position um, dedicated to this has had this position for several administrations. Now it's been elevated to an ambassador level. Um, but we worked um, with the White House to bring a number of anti Semitism envoys from around the world to the White House to talk about ways that we can work together to combat anti Semitism. Another thing I just want to touch on quickly is social media. Uh, and we have been working with a number of social media. Companies to help them understand what anti-Semitism is, help them identify anti-Semitic content, um, pro-Hamas content, uh, you know that terrorist type content as well, but also just more general anti-Semitic content, so that they can, you know, help to combat anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism because we have seen such a, I think social media has been such a um, a way to increase the momentum of anti Semitism and hate speech in general, uh, that working with these companies to help them curb those effects and help them identify that it has been an important thing as well.
0: I was uh, prepping some questions in advance mm-hmm. of this and I wrote that question out. And I just was, it was just horrible that I had mm-hmm. to write that question to you. That, that in this day and age, that was a question I would be asking today mm-hmm. on this podcast. It just seems it there is a, what can be done to combat anti-Semitism right now? It's just, I I sound almost juvenile for asking it, but my intent is sincere. I know Becky's intent is sincere.
2: What can we do to be helpful? What can we do to stop so, this and just? The American Jewish Committee publishes has published for the past four or five years a report on the state of anti-Semitism in the United States, and ninety plus percent of Jews in the United States view anti-Semitism today as a serious problem in this country it's 90 percent, and the fact that 90 percent of anybody anywhere agrees on something yeah. uh, in this day and age shows how pervasive a problem it is um one of the things though that we have seen in our surveys is that one that really under meeting jews understanding jews is an important part of the discussion here and i think you know there aren't that many Jews in the United States, you know, it's 2% of the population. And a lot of it is concentrated in certain geographical areas, certain metropolitan areas, um, having people, especially if they don't live in communities where you have a large number of Jews really, you know, meet Jewish neighbors, understand Jewish traditions, understand Jewish customs, understand, you know, your neighbors has does show that people that have those relationships really do have a better understanding of, um, of antisemitism and has a better understanding of identifying antisemitism and standing up to antisemitism. So, one of the things I would recommend is, you know, recommend to your listeners is to really reach out to your Jewish neighbors. I can tell you that the Jewish community in this country feels isolated right now. I know that we I've heard from friends that aren't Jewish, I've heard from neighbors and colleagues and it's wonderful, but a lot of people are feeling kind of are feeling alone and they're feeling that they're not you know All the work that we do as a community to reach out to other communities and through allyships and interreligious work and interfaith work, um, we feel we're not necessarily seeing it back. And I think that would be an important thing to your listeners. If you have Jewish friends, Jewish colleagues, Jewish acquaintances, neighbors, reach out. Just see how they're doing. Like I said, the tragedy in Israel really does affect the Jewish community on a scale just because you know you think that your Jewish neighbor living in Minnesota you know, is far removed from Israel. My guess is that person actually isn't that—that that they know somebody or they're somehow affected by this. And I would, I would recommend that uh, reaching out is is a very important kind of first step in understanding the Jewish community and um, you know even com- in combating anti-Semitism. But can I just get back to one thing you said earlier, Michael, which is yes. the Hamas flag in Minneapolis. Um, I can't imagine after 9-11, someone driving down the streets of Minneapolis, for example, with an Al-Qaeda flag or a Taliban flag. I think that um, not only is that deeply disturbing on on, on a number of levels, obviously, um, I think it also speaks to your other point on anti-Semitism, is that the Jewish community feels scared and under siege right now. And to have somebody... Um, And I realize there's free speech, you're free to do whatever you want. But just because you have the freedom of speech doesn't mean you have a freedom of no consequence. And I really do hope uh, that people of humanity and people of good conscience see that and really do um, call those sorts of acts out because it's not just an anti-Semitic, anti-democratic, it's anti-everything that we believe in. Hamas is a terrorist organization uh, that does not believe in anything that, I don't care if you're a Republican, I don't care if you're a Democrat, I don't care if you're left, right, or center. I guarantee you that the ideology of Hamas is not the ideology that we would want to be promoting in the United States or anywhere in the world. You're correct. I want
0: to just add a, a little backstory.
2: I saw the video yesterday, was horrified by it. And I want
0: to just add one, one additional personal story. When I worked at the legislature in the early Late 90s, early 2000s, there was a Klan rally, a neo-Nazi rally at the state capitol in Minnesota. I remembered, I worked worked for the Senate, I remember the offices were closed, I think it was a Saturday, the offices were closed, they told us to stay away. Uh, I was doing some press work on the work, I was there that day, because the Republican Party of Minnesota was working with some coalition groups to do some type of unity event in the state capitol afterwards. I remember being at the state capitol and seeing a Nazi flag. And it was terrifying to see a Nazi flag being flown by supporters proudly and openly. That image stuck with me. And I just, that pure hatred that was exhibited by those people in flying that flag. That is exactly how I felt yesterday. I want to connect those two events. What I saw in when that neo-Nazi rally was at the Capitol where people were openly embracing and openly flying the, the Nazi flag. And then yesterday to see in downtown Minneapolis, someone openly on an ATV to the cheers of the crowd flying a flag of a mosque, it is simply sickening. It is beyond words. It is un-American, un-Minnesotan. I respect and appreciate the rights of people who have for the, for their First Amendment rights, but I got every first Amendment right to say it's appalling, it's disgusting, and it shouldn't be allowed. And the fact that someone was able to freely navigate downtown Minneapolis in that crowd with the flag of Hamas and they were not called out for it, that I'm aware of in any substantive way, is simply appalling. And it is a mark on all Minnesotans, regardless of where you stand, that a, a, the flag of a known terrorist group was openly flown in downtown Minneapolis in our state in October of 2023. We should all be ashamed for that.
2: I I agree with you, Michael. And I also want to just add one more thing here, which is what we're seeing right now is Israel fighting Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. This is not Israel fighting the Palestinian people. The Palestinian people, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is... is a a conflict that that needs to be resolved. I fully understand that. But Hamas, which has been ruling Gaza since 2007, keep in mind Israel left Gaza, fully disengaged from Gaza in 2005. Hamas then took it over in a violent coup against the Palestinian Authority uh, in 2007. And since 2007, Hamas has been ruling Gaza with an iron fist. And I really think that we need to think about you know f- the people of Gaza are really victims of Hamas terrorists as well not just the israelis that have to endure the rockets and obviously the the most recent attacks against uh, uh, by Hamas but the people of Gaza are also victims here of of Hamas and i think that that's important to keep in mind that innocent palestinians are, are, are have been killed and and will 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 suffer because of the actions of Hamas and um, to your point, Michael, that someone would feel the need or feel the desire or feel the urge to drive around Minneapolis or anywhere with a Hamas flag really is, like you said, it's the same thing as running around with a Nazi flag. It's, it's, it's beyond the pale of decent society, and I think we all need to be condemning these actions to remember that um, – You There are certain things that are just – that are over the line and that support of of any sort of terrorist organization and I don't really care what terrorist organization it is. I don't think anybody would – I think we would have the same conversation if someone was driving with an Al-Qaeda or ISIS flag. Um, We need to condemn that and we need to remember our humanity and remember that Hamas is also um, keeping the people of Gaza hostage as well and I really do – Hope that at the end of this conflict, and that's well above my pay grade, is is this conflict? But um, I really do hope that there will be an effort to kind of root out Hamas and figure out a way to move forward with uh, actual leadership uh, for the Palestinian people.
1: I think that is a really important distinction. Um, you know, this is a war on Hamas; it's not a war on Palestine. Mm-hmm. And you have said publicly that you want quote piece for Israelis and Jews and Muslims mm-hmm. and Palestinians. Is there anything that we can do here locally um, as as non-Jewish Americans um, to help promote and share that message and help distinguish? I think it's a really important thing that you just said. You know, I think not necessarily what people are hearing and, and what can we do to help share and promote that this is truly against Hamas, not Palestine. No,
2: absolutely. I think that first of all, it's important to distinguish, like I said, that, or for people to be able to distinguish between Hamas and Palestinians. And the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is certainly a, a deep-rooted conflict and a conflict that um, will will continue to have to be negotiated uh, toward a, a resolution. But uh, it is unquestionable that Israel cannot have a terrorist organization that threatens its citizens um, you know, right on the border. I mean, literally, like you know, like the border between Edina and Minneapolis. Imagine if you had like Hamas on one side of that border, um, you know, trying to launch attacks on the Minneapolis side. It's it's an untenable situation for any country in the world, and no country in the world, by the way, I think other than Israel, has is really ever asked to try to restrain itself to protect its citizens. Um, I I, I can't think of any other country that is under the immense pressure that Israel is always under. Um. To, to protect its citizens and at the same time also um, restrain itself in a way that will kind of seek international approval. Um, but I think to your question, Becky, which is a very good question, is uh, first and foremost, I think Making sure that the Jewish community feels good uh, and feels safe and secure is important, but also to understand the Muslim community in this country as well. By the way, is also experiencing an uptick in Islamic phobia. We saw a ter- terrible attack of a, a child in Illinois in Chicago last week. Um, I know that the Biden administration is is working um, both the, with both the Jewish and the Muslim communities to to on, on, to, to work on security. Um, so. Helping people to understand or you know, working with the Jewish and the Muslim and the non- jewish the Christian communities as well to really understand the situation, to really understand that uh, to to be promoting, you know honest stories, the stories that tell the truth about the situation and don't inflame the and don't inflame the conflict, I think is important. We saw some very shoddy reporting last week with that um hospital that was unfortunately a bombed in gaza um all the major media outlets uh in the west major media outlets that are the papers of record uh in the united states and around the world reported it as an israeli strike which very quickly inflamed tensions not just in 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 israel and in the west bank but you saw you know a protest in the united states and in europe in beirut and the toward the american embassy in jordan um and i think it's important it was later obviously you know the Discerned that it was a failed launch of a of a of a Palestinian of his Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket that had hit the hospital, and I think it's important that we make sure that the stories that we're sharing are are verified, they're truthful, that there's been report, good and accurate accurate reporting, um, because uh, without that safeguard, we really risk inflaming an already an already inflamed situation. And uh, it makes it dangerous for Jews and Muslims and in the United States and around the world.
1: Now, when it comes to <clears throat> this war, and and also just the um, plight of the Jewish people in general, where, where can people turn to? I mean, I want you one to plug your own social and your committee's, um, you know, website and social as well. But you know, some of the things that you were talking about, just educating ourselves. I had no idea that most synagogues have metal detectors. I've never had to. I've worked at the Capitol. I've worked mm-hmm. at the, you know, worked in Congress and, yes, have had to walk through that to go, you know, in a place where a bunch of elected leaders are. I don't have to do that to go to church. So mm-hmm. where where can we find out more of this to just educate as, again, you know, we, we want to be allies here. We want to know how we can educate ourselves and educate others. But where can we find some of this stuff? Obviously, you know, main Media isn't always um, the best thing to turn to, especially in something like this, where you know there's the both sides issue and and you know all of this uh, Palestine versus Israel. Um, individual opinions of some reporters it, are there. Places aside from someone, some place like the American Jewish Committee that we can turn to, or, or is your organization a good place for us to, to start?
2: No, I, 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 listen, I, I think the American <clears throat> Jewish Committee is, is certainly one of the best. We've been around for a hundred and. 17 118 years and I think that um you know we have very good uh reporting and very good resources like I said we have not just 25 American offices but 20, uh, 13 uh, international offices including an office in in Israel we have uh, a very large um, uh, contingent working in Israel right now, including those who are serving in the IDF. Um, so, you know, obviously the American Jewish Committee, AJC.org, is a wonderful resource. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at AJC Global uh, on Twitter, and we have a lot of our experts, myself included, on Twitter. You're welcome to follow us, um, and we share uh, material that's that's been curated and that has been verified, and that uh, we take a lot of uh, pride in. You know, having Good information. You know, locally in Minnesota, there's other great resources. The uh, Jewish Community Relations Council of Minnesota and the Dakotas um, is an excellent uh, resource as well, as is the Minneapolis and St. Paul Jewish Federations. I think all of those are excellent um, places to go for information as well.
0: We want to be incredibly sensitive of what you're experiencing right now, but we wanted to have you on a talk. We wanted to give you an opportunity just to talk to our listeners. We want to be as helpful as we can be and I want you to know that you can rely on us. If there's an if something that comes up, you need a platform or if there's something that we can promote and discuss related to what's going on right now, we want to be advocates for knowing that you are seen, we are with you. We want to be helpful. We want you to be safe. Everyone in your community to be safe. We want the state of Israel to be safe. We want this to be resolved in a way that allows Jews to exist, Israel to exist freely and openly in this world. And if there's something that it sounds trite again, it sounds glib, but if there's something that Becky and I can do on this podcast to help give a voice to that, to what you're experiencing, what you're going through, please know that you can rely on us at any point.
2: I appreciate that. And it really does mean a lot, not just to me personally, but I know to the Jewish community in Minnesota. In the United States and around the world that we have friends and allies like yourself who are willing to to speak with us, to hear our stories, and to to really advocate on our behalf. Because as I said, ultimately, there's not that many Jews in the world. The Jewish population of the world, I believe, in 2023 actually just reached its pre-Holocaust levels. Um, So we're talking 70, 8 years out and having allies like yourself uh, people of good conscience you know from all religions from all sectors from all countries uh, is the most important thing for us right now so you know keep sending your good thoughts and your prayers and you know anything you can do to to your jewish friends your jewish neighbors to support uh, the united states and israel alliance which is extremely important um and i can't thank you enough for that
0: jacob bilner with the the director of the American Jewish committee here in the United States. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today under thank these difficult circumstances. Me. And we, we hope to speak to you again, hopefully under better circumstances. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Becky, we just spoke with Jacob Milner, the director at the American Jewish committee, your perspective.
1: Um, I think it was really enlightening. You know, I, I think we've, I've discovered a lot over the last couple of weeks. Um, how little I really know about, about the issues uh between the Palestini- Palestinians and Israelis, um, the the horrific anti-Semitism that really has been existing. Um ignorant. um, To me, you know, I, I just I've been a little shocked. And so um, I've been really immersing myself to learn more throughout all of this. And I think Jacob really hit on some things that I think are really good for our listeners to know as well. Um, You know, I think it's just it, it's just so sad and horrifying that what the Jewish people here in America and across the country have to um, endure, like to just go to synagogue and to have to go through mags is because of your safety, the safety that they have to invest in for their schools and just to live and survive because there is such a hatred of who they are as a people, is horrifying. And, um, and I, again, I think some of the numbers that he threw out, the comparison um to both the Hispanic population in California and, you know, that this would be equivalent to fifty thousand Americans. Um, being murdered in one day is is it just really opens my eyes to the scale of this. Obviously, I knew it was horrific. Obviously, we've been watching these atrocities happen and and, and and it's just been disgusting and heartbreaking and everything. But um, I was really grateful that he was here to educate me and our listeners and and just have that conversation because I think it really is important. And I think as we discussed, you know, wanting, to To be advocates and to be allies and to to do what we can, um, for the Jewish Americans in our lives in our communities. Um, I thought it was really helpful to hear what he had to say in a different perspective, um, from somebody who obviously lives and breathes this, but also is 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 his career. Um, and so um, it, yeah, it was just very enlightening
0: to me. I can't imagine. I have no frame of reference, and under in in a sense of understanding as to what. He and other members of the Jewish community are experiencing right now. Um, it has been very difficult to see not only the raw images of what happened on October seventh, the follow the fallout from that, but also I think the institutional anti semitism that I have seen time and time again since this happened. Uh, it has been simply appalling and shocking, and um, yesterday on social media, seeing the flag of Hamas being paraded down a street in downtown Minneapolis. I, I just, it is something that I will, The again, I'm a big advocate of the First Amendment. There's a number of things that you can do well within your rights of the First Amendment to speak out and and, and be in opposition to that. And the flag of a terrorist group was paraded. I was saying before we recorded it. It looked like a parade. I mean, it literally looked like a parade for Hamas in downtown Minneapolis. People were cheering and there was crowds and someone was driving an ATV with the in the flag, with the flag of Hamas trailing by. People were giving thumbs up. There was cheering going on. It was just appalling. And for some reason, there is a disconnect right now between people. Um, Jacob was spot on. In the days after 9-11, to think that the flag of the Taliban or, or that type of event were to occur in downtown Minneapolis, it would not have occurred. It just simply wouldn't have. And I, I think that a number of people, I think first of all, let me say all Minnesotans need to be shocked and appalled by what occurred yesterday in Minneapolis. I think it is incumbent upon all of our elected leaders to speak out about what happened yesterday. And we, and there are a number of people that need to take account and reflect on why. Someone felt that free and comfortable driving the flag of Hamas behind an ATV in downtown Minneapolis on a beautiful autumn day. I will say to you that I bet you the introduction of the Jewish flag would have created more controversy at that event than the flag of Hamas. And we as Minnesotans need to speak out about that. And it's just horrific. And um, I appreciate him coming on so much and talking to us. It is an incredibly, I can't imagine, an incredibly difficult time, an unimaginable difficult time. And what we're trying to do on our podcast is get voices that can speak. We wanted him to speak from his perspective on it. And we're going to continue to do that uh, with all of our guests. But it was just really important to give, I think, a very strong statement today of support for Jews, the state of Israel. And to allow someone like Jacob with his credentials entitled the organization that he represents to come on and put a voice to this because it's what our listeners need to hear. It's what Minnesotans need to hear. It's what the world needs to hear. And I'm I'm appreciative um that we've created this space once again to allow to allow guests like him to come on. And I hope we continue doing it.
1: Agreed. And you know, anytime we can talk to somebody that it opens my eyes and educates me as well as uh Personal point of privilege. So I'm um, very grateful for, for that time with Jacob this morning.
0: Becky, we want to spend a few minutes pivoting to our next topic, which is the possibility that Tom Emmer, Congressman Tom Emmer from Minnesota, may be the next speaker of the House of Representatives. We are recording this on a Monday. We will be releasing on a Tuesday. As of now, Congressman Emmer is one of nine candidates that is seeking the speakership. We've had a number of, we've, we, first of all, we've talked about Congressman Emmer and then advocates of Tom since for very long on this podcast. We had him as a guest in July. He was talking about his role as the house majority whip uh, in the time since he was on um, Kevin McCarthy was ousted as speaker of the house of representatives. We had David Fitzsimmons who works for Congressman Finstead on to give his perspective and his take on that. And, I don't believe that any of us would have thought that when we interviewed David Fitzsimmons that we would not have a speaker yet, or that we would be talking about the possibility of Tom Emmer being uh, a member of of Congress, but being the speaker. And so, Becky, I want to give you an opportunity. You worked for Congressman Emmer for three years in Washington. I want to give our listeners, just lay that groundwork and recognize you are a subject matter expert on someone who may (laughs) be third in line for the presidency. I want to get your take as to how you, what your perspective is on that and uh, inform our listeners.
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, said it before, I will say it again, big team Member fan here. Um, I first worked for him in two thousand ten on his gubernatorial campaign. Um, shout out Jeff Colb for using the word gubernatorial right there. Um, and then spent three years in in Washington as his communications director, his first three years. So he got elected. I went out there, um and and had the privilege of of setting help setting up his office and and getting, you know, hitting the ground running there. Um it is even crazy just to think you know him starting in 2015 you know we're we're 8 years later and just how much changes from a freshman 8 years ago um i will start by saying you know Tom Emmer has always been a big relationship guy. He was a whip at the state legislature when he worked there here in Minnesota. Um, building connections and building relationships has always been something he has done in his personal life and professional life and something he has really made a priority of. So starting, you know, in the office, David Fitzsimmons, who we had on, was his chief of the staff when I started as well and really emphasize that within the staff as well so staff would connect with other staff if there were special elections with republicans getting elected opening up their new offices you know we would reach out to their our fellows um you know person in the same level of of um Title as us to help them give them any tips or you know tricks that we've we've learned and and Emmer would reach out to the member, um, you know he started rising in the ranks very quickly, um, deputy whip when an opportunity on an A committee the four there's four A committees um, in Congress when an opportunity on the finance committee opened up. He um campaigned for that, got placed in that, um, and very quickly w- among leadership, they you know there was obviously um a, a good relationship within leadership for this you know n- new up and coming freshman member, um, and then since that over the years we watched him come over to the NRCC and really work with um electing Republicans across the country. So this is times where he's traveled to states, he's raised money for you know different candidates, he has done things with them personally, educating, mentoring. Um, And I just want to bring in here a little bit of um, within those connections at the NRCC. In 2022, he helped raise $9.2 million for house races. He's already raised, helped raise almost $8 million for the 2024 cycle. Um, and these are things that he is able to tout now in his speakership race. Now, obviously, there has been a number of different candidates that have um put their name hat in the ring and and have since dropped out. And Emmer has always been somebody who has been big on seniority. And so those were folks, Scalise um being one of them that was kind of ahead of him in line. Now, we also watched emmer be named when gates and others were trying to take down um mccarthy as as somebody that they saw as a potential uh replacement and so um i think he is well poised to be the nominee um i think that personally my my thoughts and opinions of tom emmer i think he would be great it's a tough position to be in but um I think that in his last, you know, eight years in Congress, he's really worked to build these relationships across all factions and, um, you know, all sides of the Republican Party and Republican Conference out there. Um, So I think that that's going to bode well for his bid. We will find out tonight. um, As you mentioned, we're recording on Monday. There's an internal candidate forum debate of sorts um, tonight, Monday evening and 9 a.m. Tuesday is when they're going to. So after this is out, we might have some more information about Who comes out of that internal conference nominee nominating session and potentially a a vote?
0: Yeah, I should disclose to our listeners: our plan is, depending on the outcome, we may have a bonus episode covering this topic more later this week. But we wanted to—I wanted an opportunity to once again cement and establish Becky's connection, Mm -hmm. her work experience with Congressman Hammer. Becky has done something I have never had the have not had the opportunity to do, which is work out in Washington. And her experience and her knowledge of Congress and her working relationship with Congressman Emmer, I think, is going to be an insight that we're going to tap into. I wanted to ask you, Becky, I think that Congressman Emmer, we had him on in July, and I think I had not spoken to him in a while. He just looked fantastic. He was peppy. He he just, great visuals. He was energetic on message, great talking points. We released that interview. I re-released it. We released it over the weekend, and it's just a great interview. And you can hear him talk about the dynamic of the team. And it was incredibly insightful to hear his perspective back then, but also look at it now in light of the events that are happening. You are an advocate of Tom Emmer. You're a fan of Tom Emmer. You're friends with Tom Emmer. Do you want him to become the speaker? And I the caveat on that question is this. Right now, there's a bit of a feeding frenzy going on. And the last Republican speakers uh, of the of the House have not... It's, there's a real feeding frenzy going on right now. How do you, what do you think about that frenzy? You want Emmer to get it and you think he can keep, if he gets it, can he come out of this process ahead?
1: That is a loaded question. I will start by saying, again, I think that he out of the nine candidates in the currently that are in the quote unquote race for speaker, I guess, um, I think that he is best set up for it. I think he is best equipped for it. I think he will do the best job. Um, I think it is a tricky place to be. I think that he has done very well for himself um, moving over to be the chair of the NRCC, coming back and being the the majority whip. I think he has done a very good, thoughtful, had a very good, thoughtful approach to his time in Congress. Now, I think Emmer is also, I just want to put this with a caveat of all my time working for Tom Emmer. He is one of the good guys. He is one of the guys that really, truly wants to make a difference and wants to do it for the betterment of conference, for the betterment of the conference, for the betterment of the American people. I don't think he ever... Was one that you know started to run for governor to have power and fame. I don't think that was his role when he was running for Congress, and I don't think that's been his desire when ascending these ranks. So I, I, I think that's something that I would like to make clear from my personal interactions and relationship with Tom Emmer. I will. That said, I think it's a crappy spot to be in. I think it is. Like you mentioned, it's a free feeding frenzy. We saw this a little bit with Speaker Ryan when he was kind of pushed into the speakership. When Boehner resigned a number of years ago, um, he was the one, the golden boy that everybody wanted up there. He did eventually reluctantly step up. Um, and he did his job and I think he did it well. But I think after that he was like, I wash my hands with this. You know, it's kind of like a, a very thankless position. You get a lot of you get all the ire of everybody, you know, all the arrows pointed at you. Um and and it's just it's a lot, and so to go into this mid um, Congress when there's so much going on, there's so many heightened different um, factions and and groupings, and now we're going to be leading into a presidential year. Um, it, it's a really unfortunate spot to be in, um, but I am hopeful and optimistic that he can rise above. And because he does have that kind of coach mentality and team mentality, even Gates has you know been in an interview saying. You know, Emma is somebody that you might not like. always like what he has to say, but you know he's going to be frank and speak the truth with you. And I do think that there is not a lot of that in Washington all the time, and I think there is a respect for that. So if he's able to navigate that um, and kind of that frankness and, and openness with these members, I, I hope that that's a little bit different than some of their frustrations they had with McCarthy and and other leaders. So um, I don't know if I kind of really answered your question. I think he would be great. I think it's a crappy spot to be in. But here we are.
0: As you remember, after we interviewed Congressman Emmer, I left that episode pretty charged up. We, in fact, had to edit some of my language out because I was so excited about the interview that we had with him. Here's my take. If Tom Emmer wants to be the Speaker of the House, I'm all for it. My only concern is that he's going to be in an environment where he's not going to be able to succeed. I absolutely believe if there's a if there's one person in Washington who can right this ship, who can get everyone rowing in the same direction, it's Tom Emmer. I believe he's qualified. I believe he can do it. I think he's perfect for the job. My only concern is that Tom, the skills that Tom Emmer has as a leader, as a, a coach, is interpersonal skills will not be rewarded in this environment, and that's my only concern is that the caucus that there is so much infighting, that there is so much of a food fight going on, that I don't want to see uh, Tom Emmer spit out the other side. But there's absolutely no question in my mind that he is qualified, he is able, he would be a fantastic speaker. Um, And it's just remarkable to think about. If you just think about that, we're talking about Tom Emmer being third in line for the presidency, Speaker of the House. And I think both of our concerns or both of our kind of asterisks on it are he's qualified, he can do it, but we just don't want to see him get spit out the other side. And that's just what I want want to make sure happens. There's just been this buzzsaw mentality, this internal fighting that's been going on in the House conference. And I hate to see Tom Emmer get bloodied by that anymore. And if they're looking for someone who can unite and lead – My goodness, I could not think of a better candidate than Tom Emmer, but I just don't want to be in a situation where he's Kevin McCarthy six months down the road, or I'm sorry, Kevin McCarthy a month down the road or two months down the road or six months down the road. I just want to make sure that the election of Emmer as Speaker, that he's in a situation to succeed because there's no stopping him if he's the leader and if he's the Speaker of the House. And that's my only reservation, but boy, oh boy. Talk about the system finally working and giving the good guys, letting the good guys win. And Tom Emmer is a good guy. And particularly after speaking him with July, after we spoke with him in July, I couldn't have been more of an advocate and set it on the air. And mm-hmm. I hope he's victorious. We're going to watch the process. And Becky, I want to thank you for once again leading that and giving us analysis and discussion on your perspective on it. Our plan is if you're amenable to this is we will park more of our discussion about this process and we're going to tack it into a bonus episode cuz we're going to watch the vote again we're releasing this on a monday they're con- they're going to they're going to be a Q&A tonight the conference vote tomorrow and there potentially maybe a speaker vote tomorrow so we're prepared and we're going to be ready to to jump online and record a bonus episode for your reaction and and Becky you'll be leading that once again
1: I can't wait I mean it's just Tom Emmer from Delano, Minnesota. Who would have thought how it's, it's just in, in insane, incredible, exciting. Um, and uh, yeah,
0: we'll, we'll
1: chat more soon.
0: Yes. Now um, on a topic you're not leading about, a topic that you continue to disappoint um, at your own personal peril your professionalism is a uh, fantasy football fantasy pickem league becky what's your excuse this week first of all i got to clarify did you pick this week sure based on based on the results i don't know that you did
1: so i did um i will start by saying i did pick i did pick okay i will start by saying <laughs> it's a rough week across the board let's let's zoom out for a second um wow some some wild games here so i will say Bravo to you. You are leading this week. You have six correct. Um, I have four correct. So you are the top of our our league this week. I am at the bottom of our league for this week. But in comparison, last week you had nine right, and I had 12 right. Three times. I mean, it is just like roller coaster ride of a week here. Um, so I, I got I got no real um excuses except for these teams just need to do better. So that will be my um yeah, that's about all I got this week. I mean, man, it was some rough football watching this weekend.
0: No, I feel very comfortable where I'm in. Your excuses aside, I feel very comfortable where I'm in, where I am right now. Um, I'm leading right now. Mm-hmm. I got a game day decision to make about the Vikings game, where my pick comes in. Mm. That's going to be closer to the game. I'm going to be going there tonight to watch the game. I'll be with my daughter tonight Ooh. at the game. Monday Night Football, San Francisco 49ers, at home at U.S. Bank. Becky, I feel very good because – Independent of where I go tonight, I could be up. I could have, I could potentially have a two game lead right now. So I'm guaranteed to pick up a game on you. Yep. At least one. So your slow and steady is certainly more slow than steady right now.
1: Got lots of weeks left.
0: Lots of years. There's a lot of football. We're not even at the halfway point yet.
1: Yeah. I also want to take this opportunity to explain that I have a horrific cold, so this is the excuse for my voice, and also, um, just that last week we we did not touch on football picks. It it felt weird and odd, and and you know we're we're trying to be um, sympathetic to the to the environment of our of our show when when making sure we're we're doing that. But um, I'm coming for you, so I'm just gonna say, watch out. There's still time.
0: Just not my week. There was yes, we in the interest of transparency and, and having a good professional relationship with you, there was a lot of end zone dancing last episode by you. But we decided, because of the interview with Senator Coleman and the subject matter, that we did not that the transition from speaking to Senator Coleman about the terrorist attacks in Israel to our Pickham League was not as smooth of a transition as we thought. So we decided to withhold that. But I do want to disclose that Becky was throwing the heat. That audio may be released at a later point, maybe in a best of. But there was a lot of gloating. And I would say well-deserved gloating because you did. Game if three. Fair, if I'm fair, you – yeah, you were the point leader last week. You got yeah. 12 last week okay. just to make sure. So when, if we would – have if that audio would have been released, there would have been a lot of gloating and well-deserved gloating because yeah. you did have the lead.
1: But to go from 12 right last week to four right this week is, is yeah pretty damaging to my psyche right now.
0: Yeah, and uh, as it should be. But that's – you did have some gains. I want to I want to give I want to note the points in the board and be accurate and fair
1: um I would like to close the show with um, one point of personal privilege um oh so as as folks might remember uh over the summer when Michael came back after his um, brief stint away he graced me and Jeff Kolb with wonderful gifts and and one of mine was a gift card to Dairy Queen um for the ice cream cake that I couldn't stop talking about and craving during my pregnancy so um it was my husband's a birthday uh last week and we got a birthday ke- or a ice cream cake and here's the best story of it i ordered online trying to order had like a good person go to pick it up they don't have my order which is fine it wasn't customized i just wanted a cake so i'm like i'll just take one out of the freezer and they're like well we don't have any more of the peanut butter cup ones anymore or any of the small ones just sold that so we'll give you a large peanut butter cup one for the price of a small I've been eating ice cream cake like every day for like 10 days right now. Fantastic. Yeah. It is great for my appetite. It is not great for the fact that I'm getting married in six weeks, but, you know, I, priorities are eating ice cream cake at this point.
0: Well, I'm glad. Uh, you were very deserving of that ice cream cake. I'm <laughs> glad you were able to partake in it and get a little extra. That's wonderful. Oop-oop. It's That's the, the best type of gift to give then, okay? It was great. Becky, I want to thank you again for another good week, and we'll talk soon.
1: Sounds great. Bye. We want to thank you for the support for The Breakdown with Brad Corp and Becky. Before we go, be sure to jump over to the platform wherever you listen to your this podcast and give us a review. You can also leave a review on our website at bbbreakpod.com. You can find us at Twitter at bbbreakpod. And The big Breakdown with Brad Corp and Becky will return next week. Thanks all.